you ever wish that you could have a therapist as a friend? Well, now's your chance. I'm Marianne Griffith, and I'm the host of the Renewal Session Podcast, where each week we have real conversations about the messy and the meaningful things of life with me and some of my friends. I'm a therapist who's passionate about helping people break free of strongholds and create a better life. Pull up a seat and let's dive in to a real conversation. Welcome back to the Renewal Session. This is Katie Griffith, and I'm here with my mom. Hi, Mom. Hi, Katie. How are you? I'm great. We're going to continue our discussion on limiting beliefs, but we're actually going to segue into uh, maybe what the origin of those limiting beliefs are. Oh, this will be good. Yeah, I think so, it'll be interesting. So we, t- we said that limiting beliefs typically occur um, in childhood experiences. Yeah. One of those childhood experiences is, you know, family of origin stuff. Yeah. Right? And so those are even trickier limiting beliefs yeah. because they're usually attached to some kind of relational element yeah. or a sense of loyalty to your family or this is the role that they've asked me to play in the family. Yeah. And so it, it can be tricky mm-hmm. because we can get wrapped up in the, the dynamic of because this happened as a result of my mother, I therefore feel bad about not liking my mother because she's a typically decent mother so you know what i mean it can really mess with people yeah um as far as like you know blame the blame of parents some people can blame pretty easily or acknowledge where something originated from but other people really have a lot of anxiety around that so that can be a barrier to that but tell tell me how you have worked on limiting beliefs and knowing i've given them to you Yeah, so I would say that you and I are uh, pretty open when it comes to talking about these kinds of things, but I think that that's just our our family culture, you know, is having discussions like that um, pretty frequently just to work out any kinks that are happening in our lives and things like that. But um, I would say from a very young age, um, there was this limiting belief of I had to dress a certain way um, in order to accommodate for my size. So when I was little, I thought, oh my gosh, my mom doesn't want me to shop at Libby Lou. She doesn't want me shopping at Justice and Limited 2 where all the cool girls are shopping. Instead, I'm buying clothes that are a little bit more, you know, motherly, I felt like. Motherly? Well, I felt like... They were from Gap. I know, but I don't know why. I just felt like they were old lady clothes, but... Anyway, well, because they weren't trendy, they, they were classic style. They were style. classic style, and yeah. I wanted to wear Monkey Joe on my T-shirt, which is so interesting because in the last episode you said your limiting belief was I'm not cool. Yeah, so let's. So that probably started that. right there. Yeah, probably. So I would wear, you know, the Gap, or I would wear Jimbery, um, Jimbery, stuff like that. That was just more classic silhouettes. Lands End. Yeah, nothing like outrageously sparkly or anything like that. So. I always grew up with this idea that I had to dress a certain way in order to accommodate for my size. Um, when I wasn't particularly chunky yet, I don't think, like in in, uh, in like high school I wasn't, but I still was wearing those kinds of clothes because I had this belief of I have to wear clothes that are flattering, not necessarily clothes that are like stylish. And let, can we add one more dynamic before we dive into it? Sure. Because what we're going to dive into is what was going on for me 
right. create it went in when I was saying those things or dressing you a certain way. Yeah. What was going on for me, which I don't think people typically like. I think this is unusual that you can say to me, "Mom, you you did this to me," and then I can process my side of it and, and do an apology. Well, I think right? it's also because I we it's not an open wound anymore. If that makes sense. Well, and that was what I was getting yeah. ready to say because yeah. you have on more than one occasion as an adult said, I'm so grateful for how you taught me to dress. Right. Now I am grateful for it. Absolutely. Right. But growing up, it, it set you apart, but in a way that wasn't positive for you. Right. Yeah. So, okay. I, I'm, we're going to give it back to you. Bookmark this for yourself that okay. you're going to get back and say, and tell people how that limiting belief played out and how you got to your grateful today. Yeah. Okay. I want you, to, you're going to do that piece That's, of it. I'm remembering that. Yeah. Okay. But my part that I'm going to talk about is what was going on for me. Totally. So I need to explain to people that at the time that I was doing this, trying to navigate the world of fashion with you. Right. <laughs> sounded so serious, didn't yeah. it? But during that time, I also weighed 300 pounds. Right. And was very uh, uncomfortable in my body. Which, you're 5'2". Right. So that gives context for, it was an uncomfortable 300 pounds. Exactly. Yeah. But, you know, I too was having to wear clothes that, you know, looked motherly, like right. grandmotherly, actually. Right. Um, and to accommodate for my weight. Yeah. So the minute I saw, saw you have any semblance of weight on you, I would have anxiety. And I didn't want to say to you, oh, my gosh, you're fat. You need to lose weight. Right. You know, that came later that we, we went through that age, season, season yeah. of debacle. But I, did, I didn't want to, to say anything other than you were beautiful because you are beautiful. Right. So where I said it was in your clothing choices. Right, because I was trying to wear clothes that were tight and body-hugging and trendy, but I had no concept of they weren't flattering. Right. Yeah. So I, I was trying to create something that made flattering because what I believed was that if she can wear things that are flattering, she will feel better about her weight. Right. Right. And so it was coming out of my own issue. Yeah about myself and I was really when you know projecting it transferring it onto you right and I'll tell you what one thing that you said to me I will never ever forget what okay that? you said to me we were talking we were actually in this house yeah. where we live currently and you were going towards your room and you made a comment like mom I can't do your anxiety for you and I, and I remember being, like, stopped in my tracks going, wow, this is like a pivotal moment of you being able to verbalize back to me, that's your issue, not mine. Right. Which was the context of what yeah. was happening. Yeah. Um, because I did try to vicariously live through you yeah. in certain aspects of your life. Like when I made freshman cheerleading. Right. When I made freshman cheerleading right right, right. yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> just to verify yeah i was a cheerleader and mom thought she was too so. yeah exactly and so i had to recognize that in your was your own emotional intelligence and wisdom that you were saying i realize i'm not anxious about this but you are right right and so i'm curious i think you probably took on the limiting belief 
But did you ever take on the anxiety that I was trying to hand your way? Um, I think I did at certain points. Um, so I also have been heavy most of my 20s. Um, and, and I'm just now losing that weight. And it's a really good feeling. So I think there's some healing that comes with that naturally. Yeah. But um, I think for me, it was never the anxiety of other people are going to look at me like I'm fat. It was mom's going to look at me like I'm fat if I wear non-flattering clothes. Oh, so the, the so the belief didn't mean other people were judging you. The belief was coming from I, mom's going to judge me. Right. Like if I walk in the house and I have my stomach line showing or my arms, are, like I'm wearing a tank top and my arms are chunky looking, then mom will make a comment about that based off of her own anxiety. Which is 100% what I did. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that that um, fear of getting some kind of comment from you made the limiting belief so solid that I just avoided those kinds of clothes altogether. Wow. Right. You know, right. Which like, I love a good tank top, but I will not wear a tank top without a jean jacket, you know? So it's like, you, I, I learned. But are you saying it, like you still to this day would not wear a tank top without a jean jacket because of me? I think there are certain kinds of clothes that I would be like, Oh mom probably wouldn't like this, but that's, also me learning to be comfortable in my own style like i wouldn't say you're more like you're more like um j crew whereas i would say i'm probably more like ll bean you know like style like style wise like i think you tend towards more like navy blues and classic outlines and silhouettes and things like that whereas i'm a little bit more like casual i'm a little bit more um like i don't know artsy looking and yeah. the things that and I choose. So I think, you know, it was a really safe place for me to explore my artistic abilities in accessories. Because, one, the plus-size clothing industry just doesn't exist when it comes to artistic clothes. It's not just not there yet. But and it certainly wasn't there when you were developing your, yeah. your preference of accessories. Because you were doing that in, like, 12, 16, 18 years yeah, old. Yeah, it was always safe to get accessories because yeah. they're interchangeable. And... They're, you know, one size fits all. It's an earring. It's not, you know? Right. So I think that that was something where I learned. Which is, okay, so remember last session I said that I had to realize, like, there were things about me that I still wanted to cultivate, but the only way I knew to cultivate them. Was in private. Was it in private. And that's what your accessories were, right? Like, I'm going to express my creative nature in this, because mom's not going to tell me don't wear these earrings. Right. But she will tell me, don't wear that shirt. Right. Or don't tuck that shirt in or what, right. whatever. Yeah. I, I hope for you that some of the healing comes by me saying, yes, I did do that. Yeah. And taking back. Because I think one of the hardest parts with a limiting belief is when you you know the origin of it. Yeah. And the, per, the person would never acknowledge they did anything wrong. Yeah, or take responsibility right? for it. And exactly. sometimes I think we believe that healing, there, there's this component of acknowledgement from the person that harmed us that needs to happen to set us free. Yeah. So I do think me apologizing and owning that I did those things has been valuable to you. Absolutely. But 
I don't I certainly wouldn't say it's it's unburdened 50 to 60 percent of it I would say your own personal work around that issue is what's massively unburdened you right so what would you say has been your personal work that you've done around that subject that you feel like I'm I'm making progress I'm in process and I'm and you're able to to be kind to yourself because you're aware you're working on it so yeah. what have you done? So I think that it all kind of came, I, th- I think it all started, my healing around the topic kind of catapulted itself when I started really learning how to love my body. I think that that was, you know, it's like similar for if, you know, somebody had said you were loud at one point, like really loving your voice is going to change that limiting belief. You know what I'm saying? Wow, that's really I, I've never thought of it that way. I can definitely see it with the bo- body positivity movement and right, all of right. that, that embrace your embrace your curves and everything. But for you to say, if my limiting belief was people don't like me because I'm too loud, yeah, right, and and I was going to work on appreciating my voice. I, you I would learn to love your loud. That would be so str- – that's very – like even you saying it, I go <gasps> – it makes you nervous? It makes me nervous. Yeah. So that's what I had to do. So I... Very good. So it all kind of started... I was working at Timberline Knolls, which is a eating disorder treatment facility. So I was... I mean, I, I've always struggled with being heavier, but there I was being a mental health clinician amongst people who were also struggling with food. Yeah. And it was like, you know, I have my own stuff at home, but then I come to work and it's there. So it was just around me constantly. And they had this art group where we would do art therapy and we had this journal and I brought my journal religiously every single day I worked because I was like, if I get to go to art group, I'm set for the day. Like I, there is no happier person in the world if Katie gets to go to art group. And I would go and I just started, you know, following the prompts that they were having the, the, the residents do, which was all about body positivity. It was all about dream realization and like making, you know, making amends with our wounds and things like that. So I started to kind of cultivate that. But then I also, at the same time, had a friend um, that is also a mental health clinician, and her and I went to hot yoga, um, (laughs) which is a whole other learning experience when you stick yourself in a 120-degree room and you're trying to do downward dog. I mean, it's not like like you're faced face-to-face with your physical being. I mean, it's, it's like there is no avoiding your own experience of your body and so I started at the end of those hot yoga classes they would bring on these eucalyptus towels and they were like wet eucalyptus towels that have been in the fridge oh my gosh you are making a face right now I love the Um, eucalyptus towel I know you're like like a diehard fan of that thing and my friend if she's listening will know exactly what I'm talking about but they would stick them on your eye and you'd be laying down. Just one eye? <laughs> no, both eyes. You would be laying down, and they would stick this eucalyptus towel on you, and, like, the wave of cold that ran through your body was, like, it was like you had a new body. It was so refreshing. And I remember sitting there at the hot yoga class one day, and I looked at myself, and it was this huge thing because I always had identified with, as a person who never could do a hot yoga class in just a bra and yoga pants. But that class, my friend and I decided that we were going to be brave, and we took our tank tops off, and we did hot yoga in our bra and yoga pants like all the skinny girls in the room. And it was the most liberating thing. We still talk about it to this day, to feel like I was an equal in that situation because we were all in a 120-degree room, 
we were all uncomfortable in our bodies and it didn't matter that I was heavy and that they were not but it was just this like crazy moment of body acceptance for me and I think that that changed the way that I look at myself in clothing because I no longer saw clothing as like a shelter but more of an accessory interesting yeah so I think that that was huge but I think I really had to do the work and be willing to put myself in an uncomfortable situation you know to like really not be comfortable in my body in order to appreciate it for what it is yes you know yeah and I think you know what you're talking about is profound when it comes to the process because we all have these like Markers. I mean, yeah. you've been working on, you know, some of the things that you want to tackle in your life for quite some time. Right. And it's gone through this ebb and flow yeah. kind of thing. But you also have manifested in that process. You've yeah. also acknowledged and identified the belief. Yeah. And you've shared stories like you're sharing today about, you know, these are things I thought along the way. This is... This isn't mine. This is yours, mom. All yeah. That was all part of that process. But then there were these moments of liberation. Totally. Like it, they were, you could go, I can, I can bookmark this experience. Yeah. But the truth of the matter is you didn't go from, I don't feel good in my skin mm-hmm. to tanking off a tank top and not having done some work there between right. those two points. Yeah. But, but this, the, the, tank top hot yoga uh time period what happened is it was everything coming together in that very big moment it was a very dedicated moment to like all these things i've been thinking and processing and you know mulling over it just like all kind of came together at one point which was really cool of an experience but it's also kind of intimidating because now i'm faced with a whole new look on life and now I have to reconcile all of those feelings that were caused by that original limiting belief and reframe them. Well, and you put you've come up with a term for that for yourself. I can't. No. Oh, what? Oh, yeah. So when I um yeah, so I yeah, I've referred to that as fat logic, which is like this idea that I made decisions in my life based off of my size. You know, I made decisions based off of me not feeling good and feeling like I was a chunky person in a skinny world. And so there were certain things that I just wouldn't do because I thought, oh, well, I'm a chunky person. Chunky people don't do that. Like, chunky people don't go on rides at roller coasters. Chunky people don't wear swimsuits that don't have skirts. Chunky people don't sit on couches without a pillow in front of them to hide their stomach. You know, so it was like there's all these kind of logical things that I believed were logical because I was fat. But, like, anybody else would be like, what? You know? That pillow on the couch thing is real. It is. It's really real. Uh-huh. And they do it in movies with pregnant ladies. Like, why are you, why bother? I mean, obviously, if the actress is not supposed to be pregnant, you know, they're going to stick her behind a table and hide her tummy. But, like, fat people do that as a way of coping, you know? Yeah. Yes. So yeah. I think that that was something else to, to think about. And I think as I've... So I did have surgery at the end of the January. I had gastric bypass, and I've lost 60 pounds since then. And as I've been losing the weight, I there are all of these things that I start to feel like, oh, my gosh, that's so possible now. Yes. And the things that I think are possible have no correlation to my size. Like, really? I'm like, oh, I could go get a financial planner. What? Like... 
worked on that <laughs> like all this time but because I'm now I now see myself as someone who takes herself seriously because I'm getting thinner yeah isn't that amazing isn't that and crazy? and you know obviously again even that surgery was a much longer process yeah, it was, emotionally yeah. and long time coming yeah yeah, yeah. so I mean I don't want anybody to to ever think when they work to overcome an issue right. that the process isn't profound, right? Or the decisions that you break you break free of the belief, and on the backside you make decisions that seemingly to other people can cannot be explained, right? Like right. they might go, "Why are they doing that?" Right? Why would you? But get for them, it's an action of liberation. Right, and and I also think the other thing I've heard people say is, oh, that's the easy way out. Oh, for with your surgery? Right, like, oh, you just couldn't lose the weight because you didn't want to work out. But the reality is, there's nothing about this surgery that has been easy. No, and and I think you have done it in in an incredibly admirable kind of, you know, feelings, recognizing feelings, but not giving too much to them. I, I think you've struck a balance. But yeah. but even everything you've done in your life has yeah. typically come from uh, with a slow build mm. to it. Yeah. So I think even you doing um, the after this surgery, this recovery period, I think you have taken it at a pace. Yeah. For yourself, and sometimes you you know you're running to a goal, and you're you're the fastest one there. But but I think in general, you you like to do a slow build, yeah, on on things in life, and so that's what knowing yourself, yeah, allows you to have self compassion when we begin to tackle these issues in our lives, totally right. But I but I also really think it's important to realize that. There are going to be limiting beliefs that you will have Mm -hmm. that are a direct relationship to me. So I do want to circle back to ask you this question. Do you think you will be angry with me the more you begin to grow as a person and you realize maybe mom was a cause of some of these things? Like, Because we have such a good relationship. I would think it would be hard for you to say, mom, you traumatized me or mom, this, you know, this experience you did wrong. But I guess maybe not. I mean, we talk about everything. Yeah. But sometimes I feel like you don't want to say I wasn't a good mom. Well, I think that I have been raised by you and you are so pro-compassion that I see space for compassion in the way that you raised me, if that makes sense. So you you understand how to show compassion to me, right? So I'm but yet not, we've still said really hard things to each other, right? Like I'm not uh, I'm not traumatized to the point where there's anger. I am not. I, I wouldn't say that I've ever been angry about some you know limiting belief that I've gotten from you because you're always willing to discuss it, but also because I know that you yourself understand that it's a limiting belief and you are also burdened by it yes like we share a lot of the same limiting beliefs and so i don't get mad at you because i know that you're also trying to battle it out yes so let's talk about really quickly which i think a lot of people have that but because like a lot of people will have a limiting belief 
and not realize their parents also have that same limiting belief. Yes. You know, because their parents don't let on that they're struggling with anything. Well, even you with the whole financial planner thing that you just mentioned, I mean, that's a limiting belief that you've received through your father. Right. And you and him have had to talk a lot about. Yeah, we had to duke it out. Yeah, about money and stuff. Because his fear around money is just He wanted you to be fearful. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm not, I wouldn't tend to be a fearful person with that. Which is, that I also think that's just an amazing quality in you. Yeah. Because you do have the ability to go, that's not my junk. Right, I mean, Yeah. So, I mean, it, it may take you a while to understand that, but yeah. you, you have the complete ability to say, that's not mine. Quit it. Yeah. But I want to talk about, because I know, you know, our relationship may be frustrating to people because they long to have it um, that easy. Right. If, if, you know, I say that with air quotes, but in terms of, you know, parents acknowledging pain that they may have caused. Right. But... You know, we certainly know people, I can speak for myself, where I've had a limiting belief that came through my childhood. And my parents would never, mm-hmm. I, one, I would never tell them. Right. And two, uh, they would never say, oh my gosh, you're so right. That happened. I'm sorry that I feel. So there's a whole group of people that are never going to get that feedback. Yeah. Right? So I think it's important to kind of say, okay, well, what what do you do when you don't when the other person doesn't acknowledge mm-hmm. this happened yeah right and i think the answer is other support systems 100% because one of the things that god did for me in my life was he surrounded me with women that were enough like me that we could connect and they yeah. understood me but also were very transparent about where they were in their walk and very willing to build up the people around them. Yeah. Right? And so God really planted me in a community of women that demonstrated pursuit of God, all, all of those things. So when these limiting beliefs would come up because those relationships were so deep and meaningful to me, those people would say. Yeah. And say, you know, Marion, that's not true. Or let me tell you what it really is. Because sometimes the limiting belief is Mm -hmm. just close enough to a true belief that it it can be so helpful to have somebody say, you know what, you're not annoying because you're loud. You're annoying because you don't make any sense when you talk. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) I've never had somebody say that to me. I know, but that's like, you know, if they were to... Right, reframe it. Reframe it it or whatever. But that was even helpful to me because they weren't saying, oh, this thing is a complete and total lie. Yeah. Instead, what they were saying is, I noticed that this happens in this context and it really isn't, you know, because you're trying to be annoying. I think this is what happens for you. Totally. And them just processing that. Yeah. So I think... You know, I'm never going to get that from my parents. Right. And it's not because they're withholding. It's because they don't, that's just not how their generation was. It's not how yeah. they're wired, all of that. But support systems, true friends who know you, people that love the Lord in, in a way that you receive the love from the Lord. Because I yeah. do think, you know, I... I Everybody has different kinds of support systems. Yeah. They don't just have to be faith-based support systems. So I don't right. want that to get 
lost in here, but I do think support systems can make a huge difference. Well, and I think that there are also a lot of people that are probably listening that would say that their support system is not deep. I think that there are a lot of people that have kind of, you know, surface level. Maybe it's you have a lot of work friends, but you have a really busy schedule, so you can't keep up with a support system, Mm -hmm. which is where I think the inner child healing would come in. Yes. And like sitting with your feeling and sitting with your limiting belief and 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 doing the work to to talk to prior version of yourself and and do some healing you know and like if i were to do it with my inner child i would say you know you are absolutely cute enough to wear libby lou and you're absolutely cute enough to wear justice and you should have those things and i might write her a letter with all of the Christmas list things that she might want and you know and and to invest in that inner child I think is another way to do that if you don't feel like your support system is necessarily safe or deep enough to have these kinds of conversations yeah and you're right I mean there's a lot of people out there that really life is pretty surface and they don't yeah. they I mean that was it's what full. it was like that it's was, a full life but it's yeah. not necessarily a deep yeah, I would say I had that while I was living in Memphis towards the end. Like, not feeling like I really had anybody to talk about deep stuff with other than you. And, I, and you know, I didn't want to burden you with all of it. So, you know, there were things that I would just kind of sit with myself. And I think that's where inner child healing or self-compassion or journaling and things like that, where you're actively pouring stuff into yourself, um, can be really helpful. Yeah, because you vlogged, right? I did. <clears throat> Why, why did you kind of... Because I felt like we were going to out me for a second there. What did you think I was going to say? No, okay. So I, I, I was... I, it got to the point where I'm not a... Okay, I'm not a writer. My hand cramps up. <laughs> I'm not a writer. My hand cramps up. So I was... I wanted to journal so badly because I had all of these thoughts that I was like, you know what? I'm just going to talk about them but I don't want to call you guys and you were on a cruise so I couldn't call you which is when it started so I um, got on my phone I turned on my camera and I put on a video mode and I sat in my car one day and talked for like 15 minutes and by the end of it I had video journaled my way out of the feeling because I was pouring back into myself and allowing myself space to process and it was really really helpful That's a great idea. I also am very pro, like, I think talk therapy has a space for sure. And I think that, um, you know, self-help books have a space and whatever. But I'm very pro, like, alternative processing, like journaling or throwing rocks in rivers or, you know, like art things or physical movement. Like, I'm very pro physical processing can I can I this is so powerful what you're saying because it's so not what I do right right you're more talk therapy yeah and I mean for a living but also just yeah I need the verbal I I need to be able to verbalize things in totally and I actually can verbalize it and listen to myself and have the aha moment so I so vlogging would probably actually be a really good thing for me because it's that external processing yeah but it gets you know Sometimes it's just easier. I need the feedback of a person. Yeah. But creatives like yourself yeah. really can get the same impact by, 
doing an art journal or writing a poem mm-hmm. or, um, you know, doing some art. Yeah, I think the physical manifestation uh-huh. of a feeling can be really powerful. Yeah, yeah. Now, you mentioned the rock thing. I forgot to tell this in the last episode. So yeah. for those people who are just listening to this one, you should go back. You'll hear the rock story in the last in the last uh, the, episode. Yeah, but I, I did want to tell you, I don't think I've ever said this, that like a year later. After the, the rock. After the rock had happened, I was walking down by the river and the, the city we live in had just done like a kind of like a park beautification thing where this rock where i had had this experience oh no so i was like oh i'm just gonna walk down this trail there's this cute little thing here now i'm gonna sit here everything and i was like you know what i'm gonna go and look look and see my rock right yeah it was there it was it was there it was not under the water no way (laughs) and i literally had to convince myself you know there's not been much rain lately and the water is low justify it and i i had a moment where i was like i'm gonna go push it out a little further and then i had the flashback shortly thereafter and i was like forget it i'm not falling it's whatever How funny. Yeah. So I did yeah. I did go check to see if my burden had washed away. Which it's a rock, so Yeah, like a fifteen. It might have been better rock. to do with like a leaf. <laughs> a leaf would have blown away. Yeah. Never come yeah. back. So yeah. so I think these are, you know, helpful things that we're talking about, but I yeah. but I also want to recognize that, you know, I I'm excited to watch your journey of mm-hmm. breaking free of things that I've done. Yeah. But for those that that can't share with those people their wounds or it's because in some cases just not even safe yeah to do the work that you're describing with you know the vlogging or the creative stuff or if it's to go to therapy or to have a you know a spiritual community or deeper friendships these are all ways that we can challenge these beliefs as well but i think doing it in the context of relationship is probably one of the most powerful things. Yeah. So I'm, I'm grateful for you to share the things totally. that you share here. Yeah. Um, next, next time yeah. we're going to come back with a new topic. Yeah. Right. Maybe we're, something a little bit different. Oh, Katie says to me, uh, we're listing off options and she picks one of the most difficult mental illness issues. Okay. I, no, no, it was, you had said, oh, well, you want to talk about this next episode? And I was like, hmm, I don't know. So I Googled it. I said mental health topics. And it popped up schizophrenia. Oh, you didn't bing it? <laughs> no, I didn't bing it. That was in the last episode. I didn't, I didn't yoo-hoo it or bing it or <laughs> whatever. But schizo- I Googled. I Googled Schizophrenia it. came up. Yeah. And I was like, we could always talk about that. And she was like, no. <laughs> not yet. I'm not ready. Yeah, I'm yeah. not ready. So. But anyway. All right, people. We will see you next time. Until yeah. then, have a great week. Bye, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Renewal Session Podcast. Make sure to head on over to iTunes and rate and subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. New episodes are dropping every Thursday, and I can't wait for you to tune in to next time. Until then, live your best life.